I don't believe you can help other people until you help yourself. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if you get yourself in a place where you're good, then you can add value to other people. And then when you can make them good, what more do you need? I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Moyla, and today I have the team, multiple people from Access Property Management. Guys, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having us. All right, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves one at a time. My name's Aaron Trelor. And your role is? Nope. Property manager and accountant. Oh, that's not true. It's everything. (laughs) Uh, Justin Badgema. And um, I don't know what my role is anymore. Eddie Beekman, property manager. We don't have titles. Yeah, we really don't. Pretty flat organization. Yeah, this is it. This is it. We all do a little bit of everything. Okay. Well, that's one of the things that makes you guys unique. Let's back up and just kind of frame in terms of the organization. This this is actually the headcount. This is... I mean, they are the headcount. I mean, they're the ones running the show. So there's, are there any VAs or remote team members or... We have two VAs, yes. Got it. Okay. So four people in, in day-to-day ops. Yes. Managing how many units? About 575. What market? Southwest Michigan, West Michigan, Grand Rapids. Got it. it. Okay. So this is, I think, what was distinct from the first time that you and I talked. We had a conversation maybe, what, four years ago when we were doing the NARPM benchmarking study. And what was kind of novel at that time was that you had taken an approach of moving away. You were not, I think you were not in the market at that time. Correct. I was living in Texas. Living in Texas. You were away for multiple years, which is kind of novel. I've always had the thought, like, maybe the best thing to do would be to start a property management company somewhere that you don't live so you can't mess it up. You can't meddle, right? (laughs) At least from the owner's perspective, I think there might be some upside there. So that was kind of interesting and novel. But the other thing was that the approach that you took with the leadership and who's running it day to day. How how long have you guys been with the company? Since, I want to say 2010, I think. Eddie was there from the beginning. I mean, you took a leave of what, about a year and kind of worked things out and you came back. And I've been there since 2015. And this is a portfolio management style. You guys have, you, what are the units just pretty much split in half between you two? No, mm-hmm. not really. I would, the Grand Rapids market's a little bit bigger in Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. but so Aaron lives down there. So he takes care of the Kalamazoo Portage area. I take care of some of the Grand Rapids area and then we kind of help each other out, split some of the other properties, but it's not, uh, I don't have any certain properties that just I do or that just he does. Oh, there's some overlap there in that regard. I'd say almost 100% overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. You're backing each other up. So I find that in life and in business, there's the idea of a strategy overlaid on what was actually a very anecdotal kind of decision that we just kind of fell into. The way that you guys structured this and what the company looks like now, how much of that was intentional on your behalf versus something you just kind of fell into and you found was working and therefore you leaned into it? Well, I'll be honest with you, I kind of followed the model that everybody did at first where you think you need to staff up, have a lot of people, have a big company, appear big. And I mean, it almost bankrupted me, not just financially, but I mean like my soul, you know, just that day-to-day management of people, no matter what you did for your staff, you thought you were helping them, but it's such a drain and it became toxic. And 
I mean, I got burned out. What and, was that low point? When was that? Oh, <laughs> 10 years back. Well, it's actually right before we met you. It's yeah, right it before Aaron came right on board. Then. So yeah. seven, eight years ago. That's a compliment. It was really dysfunctional right before I met you. It was <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we just had a churn. It just, it just, I wasn't looking for a job. You know, it, it didn't bring me, didn't bring me satisfaction. It didn't bring me excitement. It was just gone. You know, that, that excitement of, of building something from nothing. And then, you know, I, I believe that not that I'm a, great leader. That's not the point, but I believe that the sign of a true leader is the people you bring up behind you. And I didn't want to be the manager. I hate being a manager. And I don't just mean a property manager. I mean a manager of people. I'd rather like be with them. Like, here's what we're going to do, guys. Let's go do this. I come from that military background where, you know, you take ownership of something and we never had that ownership buy-in with just quote unquote employees. So we didn't want employees anymore. So we got away from that model. And really our model today, it's more of a, while there might not be equity ownership, I mean, it's truly a, basically a partnership and we do profit sharing. And I think that's been one of our key secrets is the profit sharing, the buy-in. And I think early on, you know, I said, you know, here's a structure. Uh, don't come to me for a raise. Right. And I mean, if we want more, grow more, like mm-hmm. let's do this together. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was unique for us that really worked in our example. I got to be honest with you. I'm pretty naive about that military metaphor. I hear military and I think command and control. You're- I did too. I was wrong. So what what was your experience in the military along those lines of command and control relative to leadership, autonomy, a leader-leader approach? Yeah, in the military, it's about respecting the rank, not the person. So it's totally backwards of the way it should be in the civilian world, in the real world. And I came back kind of with that, that mindset, you know, of that hard-charging. You know, and, and there is a point where that's beneficial and that works. That's like not when you're getting shot at. Well, yes, but even in business, just starting up, you know, just getting going off the ground. Like, you kind of have to suck it up and push forward, you know, and it's hard. But that's not a sustainable level to do consistently day in, day out, you'll burn out. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the, the pivotal change, I went to a conference. It was, a uh, it was actually Dave Ramsey and I'm not a Dave Ramsey fan. Actually, I, I hate his financial advice. I think it's great for the majority of people, but not for getting wealthy, but I went to his entrepreneur leadership conference and that really was one of the three books, conferences, events that really changed my life. And, you know, after that, I think we sent you to entrepreneur leadership. Correct. Yeah. And Eddie came back and his wife, what'd she say to us? Like, who is this guy? You know, like, and, and that was kind of magic though, because it, it's not about me and it's not just about Eddie. I mean, it's about us all together. And the stronger we all are together, the more resilient we are as a company, as a team, there's mutual respect. We jive, we get along. We actually like to hang out together and it's become fun again. And not only fun, it's become really freaking profitable mm. financially. Mm. Love that. Now, did you guys have a background in property management before you were here? I did. Yeah. Um, I'd worked for another property management company for 10 years uh, doing a different market. It was large apartments, um, Section 8 HUD, subsidized units. Mm-hmm. And that that pretty much burned me out as there's a lot of oversight and a lot of work involved in that. Um, and that was about the time when I came to them that, it, you know, this whole single family thing kind of came into my vision. I said, you know, I really like this. And um, that's obviously what we're doing now. No, I don't understand the nuance of the distinction that you're drawing there in terms of the asset class, SFH versus MFH, like what specifically within either asset class, you can have a good company or a bad company based on leadership, management structure, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What, what is the the specific nuance that you experienced around managing multifamily versus single? Uh, I think a lot of it, you know, there was, there was some aspect of the company, you know, the structure. Um, but there's, there's a lot more, I think, manual work that was needed, um, to satisfy those um, oversight requirements for for HUD for the state, I see uh, providing the subsidies and Got receiving it. and all that. 
Got it. Okay, so it wasn't even multifamily. It was the specific type. Uh, Maybe yes. had it been high end, it would have felt e- different. Yes. That's Got correct. It. Got it. Okay. And how about yourself? What was your background before you? So I was I started really helping my brother who managed at a student housing complex and went from there. And then we started to manage single family homes for a large turkey farmer who had uh, like 40, give or take, single family homes. And then from there, I reached out to Justin a few times and finally he invited me on so <laughs> that, eddie's also marine just to give you some background there got the it context. okay so you had some common context in that regard absolutely yep. yeah got it so the, the management structure that you have now you've described described it as being fairly flat and i think a lot of folks would say yeah i'd love to have two key guys with two vas like on its face it sounds pretty rad what actually makes this viable for you guys you mentioned Profit sharing, that's some incentive, but the, everybody has the same amount of hours in the day, et cetera. How do you guys actually manage the load? Is there anything that, uh, that you're doing? Is there anything about the selection of the properties? What allows you to manage that volume of properties? We were just talking about that at lunch, and I don't know. if To, to us, it seems to come very easy. I don't know how some of these guys aren't making a larger profit or what makes it so difficult, why you need so many people. Because for us, it just it seems to flow very easily. Yeah, I, I think the the closest thing we have come up with is is mindset um, and how how we approach the work and how we approach the day. Um, yeah, there's it's hard to it's hard to put it into words, put your finger on what exactly it is because it does seem very simple. How interesting! Yeah. We have some unconscious competence here in the room. You can do it, but you can't describe it. That's 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 an interesting phenomenon. My uh, friend Jeremy Pound says that the strength of the owner is oftentimes the weakness of the business. So, for example, if you're great at sales, the organization is pretty good at sales until you put somebody else in the seat because you didn't do any effort to structure it, systematize it, and you don't really understand it. Like you just do it in that regard. If we try and parse it out and tease it out, what is the day to day? work look like for you on any given day what's what do you got going on i think if you boil it down it it is delegation um you know we're we're delegating things to our our vas we're delegating things amongst amongst ourselves i mean we you know we don't sit around and do nothing we are you know doing things um you gotta you gotta be able to pass things along you do you have to trust the vas you have to trust the people you work with pass those items along see that they get done but then you can do kind of some some of the upper management things that are emails, farming out a few work orders, taking care of a few tenant complaints, reaching out to a few owners. It's yeah, we would run through a hundred emails a day, but it's it seems to flow very easily and simply. What is your communication style? Do you guys default towards phone, email, text? What's what's dominant? Uh, texting and emails. Yeah. yeah, most of most of our owners have our cell phones, and they'll text with simple questions, quick questions. I have no issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, more in depth, yeah, send me an email. But our email response time is normally within half hour. If it's that, it's about two minutes. Yeah. And what is your average number of properties per owner ballpark? It seems to be going up lately. I mean, it, you know, I average probably what three to four. Two to three, three to four. Probably, yeah, probably. In the single family area. So yeah. so a bit more of an investor profile than an accidental yeah. landlord profile. 
Yeah. Which has shifted. We've seen it shift Absolutely. from when we started because it was the other way around in 08 when we started. Mm-hmm. And was, what's the, yeah. what's the vibe difference? What's the difference? Well, back then it was the, it was the accidental landlord that had a home upside down that they either had to go, they were looking at foreclosure or, you know, we stepped in and we saved a lot of people from foreclosure. And actually, ironically, we've had people that we helped prevent from foreclosure. They had to move out of the home, move into their parents' home. And coincidentally, after the fact, now they're investors. After they got through that financial hardship, they turned around and they're still with us. And and that's a cool, I think serving people, going back to the military, it's about service. I think that we, more value you add out there, it's going to come back. And we don't do it because it comes back as a boomerang, but we believe in that law, that principle of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. And so if you want more, serve more. And and I think that's been the key for us is that we're legitimately serving people. It's, It's not shady. We're not trying to pull a quick one over on somebody. We're not just in this for the money. I mean, this is, we're middle-aged men. This is our career. You know, this is who we are. This is our identity. I mean, we come to work. Well, we don't really come to work. We just go to work. But this is it. You know, this is what we're doing. How can you make an impact on other people's lives? And that feels really freaking good when you can make that positive impact. It feels really good to me knowing that we can take really good care of our guys, our team, our crew. You know, and not just guys, but women too. You know, when everybody's doing well, that just makes it a whole lot better than one person doing well. Mm-hmm. Being able to spread that around the organization. Absolutely. For sure. How do you guys think about doing well by the tenant, by the owner? What's like the relational component? What what significance or meaning do you assign to the work that gives you some drive and energy with it? I think, you know, our, our overarching thing is, you know, we, we want to always do what's right for our owner and our tenant. Um, you know, if something does go wrong and we've identified it, they brought it to our attention, you know, we go out of our way to make it right. Um, but we just, you know, we, we have that transparency with them. We want to make sure that they're informed so they understand what we're doing and that they're not getting upset. And, you know, if they are upset, a lot of times it's because maybe we didn't, if we, you know, if we dropped the ball, we didn't communicate something to them. And all it takes is that, that quick text or that email and says what's going on and we got to handle Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you got to own it. You have mm-hmm. to be, you know, like the the confrontation. We we have no issues with confrontation. You got to go out there and just let them know, hey, yeah, I did this right, did this wrong. But we also try to keep it really simple. Mm-hmm. Seeing all these companies talk about all the extra fees and income streams, it seems like there's so much pushback that maybe they're they're making an extra twenty five dollars, but they're going to send three more emails about somebody complaining about their new fee for whatever it is. We really try to stay away from lots of a la carte. We try to keep it very simple. And that makes, you know, the tenant emails go down, makes the owner emails go down and it, it keeps it simple. Efficient. Yeah. yeah. It keeps it simple for us too. Yeah. Like you said, efficient. Yeah. So the, there's the overhead. When you think about any given fee or additional source of ancillary revenue, there are implications for the administration overhead and burden to actually collect it. Some are built into the PMA and they happen automatically. Others require somebody every month to um, do XYZ to collect it. And sometimes people roll out fees and they don't get paid on them because they're missing the, the oversight because it's just it's too much administration overhead relative to the bandwidth that they have. When you guys think about the communication with your owners, how much is, how much is too much communication and how much is too little communication? I would say I go really off by what the owner wants. We're you'll tailor it. Yeah. I mean, if they, if, if they want constant communication, then we'll try to tone that down a little bit. Um, 
But I think because we're so quick to respond, they get their answers right away and that stops another five emails. Um, so if we can be very responsive, keep the communication, be very open on what we, how we're starting that process. Once we onboard them, be very upfront. Hey, this is what you're going to get. This is what you're not going to get. Then it kind of gets rid of all the BS in the middle. Transparency. And has the portfolio shifted? Has the owner profile? Do you guys have to purge any crap properties back in the day? Oh, it's, yeah. It's our Christmas gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do, yeah, we do it the first every year. Yeah, it's your yeah. Christmas gift to yourself. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's yeah. really important, though, because the morale <laughs> can really be driven down by bad. And what's the matrix? What heuristic do you decide on to decide who to cut? You guys use a dartboard? I mean, <laughs> do, do play a lot of darts. Um, normally, it comes down to not necessarily the property, but the owner. Like I, I can, course, I, yeah. I can work on a, a property, but if the owner is lousy, yeah, I mean, there are a number of other companies. So you go somewhere else. I don't need you. And so, uh, aside from the obvious of they're verbally abusive, they're a hassle. If it's not that, what else? What else? Sometimes can- just lazy. Like you never look at your owner statement. When they email us a question and it's yeah, visible right on there. obvious. Yeah. Just look at your owner statement. And they just want you to explain it to them. And verbally. we'll go through that once, maybe twice, third time. Like I'd go somewhere else. If you can't follow the simple direction and you're already asking questions that you have the answers to, you're just too lazy to look it up. Sure. We're not talking about a lot of people, though. I mean, how many people are you guys actually talking about per year? No, yeah, I, a handful. I yeah, mean, we cut of- maybe a few. But we kind of. They're the ones that will have the biggest impact on on our yeah. Day. They're the time. Oh, suck. the emotion. Yeah, the, the emotional bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. Yep. A, a task that took five minutes to administer or a five minute conversation sticks with you because it was like it was heavy, it was unnecessary, it was mm-hmm. loud. What else won't you do? Talking about boundaries, scope of services. This is where a lot of folks go off of the rails because they have no box. There is no scope of services, so they'll do anything. I, I think the biggest one for us that we see a lot of other management companies doing is we do not buy and sell homes. We're all licensed agents, but we only do property management. So With a referral relationship? Nah, I mean, yeah, even nothing. I, we don't. What happens when somebody says that they want to sell? We yeah. refer them to an agent. We yeah, know I'll, and, I'll give them, you know, three agents to choose from, yeah. but I'm not going to decide for them. I'm not going to ask mm-hmm. for anything in return. If that's what you want to do, go do it. I want to do one thing and do it really well. Mm-hmm. Is there any cut? Is there any financial? Do you benefit financially? If they send me something, great. If they don't, there's nothing on I've paper moved on that to says, that next thing. Yeah. Now, that idea sounds nice until your portfolio is shrinking ever faster by the day and there's a massive amount of churn. What does the churn picture look like for you guys? Do two sales, super hot market in general. I have to assume to some degree that's the case where you're at. How subject or immune from market-based churn have you guys been over the last couple of years? Um, we, we did see a period where we were kind of treading water with the unit count. Um, you know, it took us a while once we got over like 350, 380 before we really started to overcome that. Um, but I mean, over the last couple of years, I mean, Grand Rapids has been a hot, hot real estate market. And we've had more people come in than sell. We've got investors buying still. We have current owners picking up units. Um, people aren't leaving. We seem to see more local owners sell and more out-of-state investors come in and buy. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting. This is a very opinionated stance to take. You're super close to it. You said you were both licensed? Correct. Yeah. And you got cream. You got yeah, cream sitting in front of you there, and you're choosing not to 
scoop it off. That's that's morally offensive to some people. I mean, how, how do you guys relate no, to that? It is, and they're going to put lots of time and effort into collecting that five hundred dollar referral fee. That's what they're going to spend their time on is getting that that piece of paper and waiting for that place to close and answering all the realtors' questions. When a realtor calls me because um, they're going to sell one of our places. I pass over the lease, the inventory check-in list, the tenant's name and number. I don't set up showings. I'm not doing their job. I'm doing my job. They need to do theirs. And I'm not going to ask for anything in return. But I'm also not going to sit there and worry about getting my $500 check. I got other things to do. That's not what I signed up to. It's not what I want to do. I'm here to manage the units that I have. Focus. Yeah. Quality of life is a big part for us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not trying to. I think when I first started with building out access it was about the go big and corporate and all this kind of structure and you know that's not where we found our mojo you know it, it just isn't that that rigid strict structure just uh it takes the life out of the company and you know i, I one of the things we learned in marine corps boot camp very quickly is adapt and overcome and being able to pivot and being nimble and being flexible and i think that's a truly um beneficial part of our structure where we can pivot on a dime we can implement something tomorrow or get rid of something tomorrow. I mean, these guys, maybe don't even want to say how much you work or don't work, but I think your quality of life is probably pretty unique compared to most people running yeah. a PM company. Yeah, I would agree. And and honestly, I, these guys are so, I mean, they're doing it. It's it's not me. My involvement's pretty pretty minimal these days. You're farming. We are farming. That's right. <laughs> Weird segue, but I found out last night the man's farming. It's true. We have 110 acres of uh, pasture land. We're doing rotational pasture raising of clean, badass pasture proteins, and it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, that sounds like a full time. It is. Gig. Yeah, I know. I I got work ethic. Just yeah. Yeah, you want to be efficient with it. Yeah. That's one of the lessons. that's really tough. Early on, I mentioned in one of my other interviews that there's almost some disappointment to find out the lack of connection that exists between effort and outcomes. We want to think that all outcomes are derivative of just like hard work and come to find out a lot of people have fantastic outcomes and they're not working that hard. Somebody that's 10 times as successful as me is not working 10 times harder. It's not mathematically possible. When you guys reflect on the transition here, was there any inflection point? Was there a conversation that you guys had corporately that kind of solidified the vision for what you're pursuing right now? When did that crystallize? Uh, I think, I think one thing we always kind of keep in the back of our mind is, you know, if we, if we want to change something, it has to be something that we can uh, automate or significantly automate. Uh, So it's gotta be, you know, it's not going to add a ton of extra time to our day and it's still going to add value to the company. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of low pressure, Justin and Jenny are very low pressure do what you need to do. And that's what I don't really care what you do with the rest of your time. Mm-hmm. So as long as, as you can get those items done and be successful at it, if it takes you 10 hours a week, great. Then that's what you have into it. They're happy. We're happy. Our owner's happy. Tenants are happy. Low pressure. That's also born out of years of uh, trust though too. I mean, it, it does take time to nurture that relationship. And, but once you have it, I think it's really special. And I think that work, involved in the front end of building that out of doing the work to find the right people and building that relationship because it is, it is a relationship you know if i'm a jackass to them you know that that's not going to work you know if i'm not being uh considerate of of their lifestyles and what's in it for them you know their motives it, it wouldn't work mm-hmm. so i think that we have a, a good balance of trust mutual respect which are not 
necessarily common items in office. Mm-hmm. You know, and one bad apple can ruin the whole tree. Well said. I've seen a lot of systems and structures get changed when it should have been a personnel change. The person stayed and the system adapted to work around them when really it was the person that should have been gone and the system was working fine. Mm -hmm. But the perception was like, oh, it's not working because you got one person yelping or unhappy. If we go one layer deeper with VAs, the RTMs, the people that are helping you guys, what you're doing here is is fairly novel. Um, what are you looking for with those assistants? What what specific tasks and functions are you pushing down and what temperament or profile have you looked for at that level to make this magic work? I think phones are one of the primary tasks that we try to get off our plate. Um, that was a big one when we first hired VAs. Ten- tenant primarily or? Uh, primarily, yep. We had a lot of applicants and tenants that call in. So that was a big one. Um, and then some of the other tasks, you know, lease renewal processing, uh, application processing, working with people to get them set up for move in. You know, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts there that they're able to handle very well. Just answering simple tenant questions, even s- small owner questions. But a lot of it has to do with we, we have to trust them to get it done. We have to be very detailed, start off with, with what we want from them, what we need done. And then kind of like Justin and Jenny do to us, let them run with it and just make sure it's done. Make sure it's completed. Inspect what you expect. How much did that work right out of the gate? Have you guys had to churn through a couple of folks to get the, the team that you needed to support you? We got real lucky right off the bat um, with Mary. She's awesome. Put a push a lot on her and she always succeeds. And yeah, it's, you, you got to weed through a few, not too many, but we've been lucky so far. Hmm. What you say? Uh, I was just gonna say, I don't think it's by chance though. I think it's the way that they directly interact with her too. It, it comes down to the mutual respect, the way you guys treat her, the way that we involve her. I think those are important things because it's not just a monetary exchange here in, in a business in, in an employment arrangement or whatever you want to call it. It's more than that today. Currency is more than just a dollar. You have human currency. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really, honestly, I think that's a secret. Not not a secret, but I think that is the special sauce, is that human currency that we have going with us. Speaking of the secrets, how do you think about your own distraction, your own having other projects as contributing to this? We were joking earlier about starting a company in a different market. I genuinely believe that one of the definitions of entrepreneuritis, one of the characteristics is to break things that are working, to view yourself as a firefighter, but to actually be an arsonist. What role did you having other interests and projects contribute to the magic that's happening here as opposed to you being in it and breaking things, et cetera? I mean, very early on, Eddie wanted me out of the office. There there was no doubt about that. I think he had to admit that the company was better off if he stepped back a little bit. And once which which is kind of heavy. Yeah. It, I mean, that, 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 that's something you really got to work through mentally. Let's, I'm the problem. You are telling me I'm the problem. It was true. It but was true. Once he did, we started to see improvement. And even now he'll come to us, say, hey, I want to do this. And we'll give some pushback. And he'll ask why. And we may still go ahead and do it. Or maybe we won't once he sees our side of it. Whereas it's, yeah, it's not a dictatorship. He cares about what we think because we do it every day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he can see this great software but if it doesn't Mm. fit Mm. it doesn't work out 
as long as we you know can back it up, mm-hmm. then he's yeah okay. We'll move on to the next one. I, I don't want to be the guy. I don't. I don't. I don't need to be in a spotlight. That's not my thing. I've got a great quality of life. Got a great got a lot of great things going on. I, I don't need to be the center of attention. There's a certain lifestyle that I want to live, a certain way I want to live, and there's certain values that I have for myself, and they allow me to do that. And and, and there was maybe points of concern, like are they going to resent me for this? You know, are they going to? Why aren't you doing more for the company? Or you know, I, I think that's a psychological doubt that we all have mm-hmm. of something that you built and then you, I don't want to say walk away from, but you're no longer needed to run it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I think that should be every business owner's goal, but you know, that's just me and you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many different plays. There's so many different ways to do business yeah. and the mind wants simplicity. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to do it. Whatever it is, fee maxing, portfolio, departmental, people want a right. What's the right software to use to automate X, Y, Z. And it's really unsatisfying to say, well, it depends. There is no right answer. But the reality is life is nuanced. You guys have found a model that works really well. And I'm so fascinated by your commentary on your own psychology being a contributing factor. I find that the entrepreneur's ego, their management, their self-awareness of it is a hugely determining factor of the health of the organization. Every organization is a reflection of the pathology of the owner. Let me give you an example. This business could quickly be contorted if your ego demanded that this business get to 3000 doors as quickly as possible, right? Like what would happen if that, if his ego was just like being bent and forced upon this organization? And I've seen it happen to friends of mine, healthy companies that were like really doing well, just got crushed under the weight of the ego of somebody that needed that and couldn't divorce their personal needs from what the business wanted to be. So to me, watching the fact that you've been able to step back in that way, like that's, that's amazing. Did it, did, do you feel like you were aware of that when that was happening or did it take you being out of it for a while to see that that's what was going on? Well, I'm going to back up a little bit. One of the foundational uh, core values, just for me and Jenny and who we are as people, like if the people we surround ourselves with, they have to be growth minded. And so if you're not growth minded, personal growth. If you're not on that journey yourself, you're not going to be compatible with us and it's not going to work. And we realize that. And that's why a traditional employee uh, arrangement in the company did not work for me because they were looking for something different than what I was looking for to get out of them. Mm-hmm. I was looking for value. They were looking for a paycheck. I was looking for them to add you know, the most value they could in their own unique ways. They're looking to do the most that they could to get the most extraction. So that, that relationship did not work. And I think that's why this relationship does work because they're adding value that benefits them, benefits each other, benefits me, benefits the company, benefits us all. And, and that to us has been, I mean, that, that's been our secret. We see other companies struggling and it's, we scratch our heads and, and it, Hey, this, this is a hard business. No doubt about it. Every business is hard. No doubt about it, but it's also very worthwhile. It's very worth it when you get it right. And I think that part, that aspiration that going after it, it it's not a destination. It's the journey. And if you're not having fun in that journey, then why the hell are you doing it? And yes, there's times when you got to suck it up and push through the grit, you know, and that's very necessary, but it's not sustainable long-term. And so for me, like I can get what I need on that entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial uh, uh, destruction. Mm-hmm. I get that in other areas outside mm-hmm. of access mm-hmm. now. So now I'm not screwing them up because I'll come in emotionally charged. I might throw him off balance mm-hmm. or I might throw Eddie off balance, you know, and, and 
And I think when I was more immature, I didn't realize the impact I would have on other mm, people well with said. my emotions. Yeah. And so now I can go, you know, in, a, in a farming or building a business in Texas or whatever it is, I can go explore what I need for me in a way that doesn't affect their stability. Mm. That's great. I love hearing that, man. Because I get, I'd get bored, honestly. If, if I was doing what they're doing every day, I, I would not be fulfilled. It would be really hard for me as, as a person. I would feel, I mean, this is it. You know, I, I, I'm a pretty driven person and, and I want to, I want to use this life up, you know, I want to get the most, not get the most out of it. I want to add the most to it and, and make my own impact in my own ways. Mm-hmm. That's unique to me. Yeah. Everybody has a different MO, a different agenda, and you got to figure out how can you collaborate. So if somebody's listening to this, if an owner is hearing this and think, yeah, you know what? I'd love to have a team like that. A lot of autonomy. I could step back, go be on a beach, you know, whatever, whatever story of the narrative, what would go wrong? If somebody said, I'm going to do what these access guys are doing. And like 30 days from now, this is the plan. We're pivoting. What are the caveats? What's, what is not obvious about what you're, because you know, every great thing, the packaging is, is fairly simple, but the actual nuances in the execution. So if somebody was to try and embrace this model, what would be likely the most likely things to screw up or, or blow up? Probably trusting someone that, uh, yeah, stab you in the back or something like that. And it's, uh, it's hitting reset. And that's happened. Yeah. Not not between, not between us, but. And it's a big one. I I, I had a, he came to me, wanted to be mentored, an individual, I won't say his name, but you know, I I poured everything I had into him. I, I saw a lot of things that I had, that ambition, that drive, that, you know, wanting to, to go down this avenue of real estate investing and you know growth and all that and uh he literally stole everything in our company took every operating procedure that we had all of our management contracts or lease agreements every document every part of our business structure that we documented because we actually built the company to be a franchise we we uh e-myth was a big impact for us very influential so we built our company that way the e-myth way where everything was documented and he took everything then he went and started his own company and that was that knife in that back for me and that was, that was a, that was a low point. I mean, I was angry. I was hurt. Um, sad that, you know, you pour everything into somebody and then they turn around and just kind of get you right in the back. And, and to me, it's kind of similar to my time overseas at war. You see that loss of humanity and that's a hard emotional thing to go through when you understand sometimes humans suck and you can't live in that constant state though, because that's not a good way to live. And then to find people that you can move forward with. And that's where you have to give trust another chance you know and i think that's where we're at now is you know i'm operating on on the belief that we are going to be looking out for each other that we are more or less aligned and and where we're going and that's something that's really important for us me and jenny think it's really important to check in with our guys you know what's the pulse how are you guys feeling where are you at what do you want you know and and those things are important and life does happen things come up and i think if we can support each other and having that grace um, I think that could go a long way. There's a lot of how are you doing? What do you need? Not I need you to do this or I want you to do this. Or this is what we're going to do. Yeah. There's none of that. My, my job is to support them. That That's purely my job. My responsibility is to support them. So getting into the, the weeds here, because I never want to be promoting ideas that are cheap because they don't come to caveats. Here would be an example of a, of a cheap idea. 
me bringing in somebody in the room that has a bunch of systems and tech and it's really cool and it works well. It does a bunch of great stuff and not disclosing in the course of the interview that they spent four years and, you know, a million bucks to build that. That's not helpful for me to present that as like, and you should do this too and not give those kinds of disclosures. So to make this accessible, what are the skill requirements? Can the average PM with some encouragement, what do you need? How can I help you? Does this work out? I mean, what are the actual hard skill temperament requirements of the profile of the, of the sort of person that you think could execute in the way that you guys are executing? I think you have to have good negotiating skills. You, you have to be willing to stand firm, back up for, you know, have that backup for what you, yeah, I guess what you're trying to tell tenants and owners and get the buy-in from everybody. Um, a big one is just follow through. But I think it's more just being able to solve solve problems. It's all just light problem solving. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything necessarily special about it. But yeah, if you can't solve a simple problem or a, mm-hmm. a toilet repair or mm-hmm. an owner that got mm-hmm. charged 9% instead of 10 and say you're sorry and move on, it's going to be a difficult road. That totally resonates with me. So you are denied having somebody to fix your problems. There's no person that you can go up to to knock on and say, hey, I don't know what to do. Can you fix this? Like you're you're the guy. Yeah, they are the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and knowing your boundaries too. you know, knowing when to say no, uh, such as taking on a new client. It, you know, you got to you got to know ahead of time if that is going to be a good fit for you and for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not just about what they want, you know, they want us to manage it. Well, maybe, maybe that's not a good fit for us. So you've got to have your boundaries along with what Eddie said. You got to know when to say yes and when to say no. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Yep. Yep. I think that as the industry has changed and shifted, we've seen a lot of trends come and go. There's been trends around technology around departmental versus portfolio and a few maxing what's what feels up and coming to you guys what's been impactful in the last couple of years of like something that wasn't here and is here now and it's made a big difference probably the, i mean the contactless showings doing that um accepting more payments online getting away from checks money orders COVID was awesome for that. Yeah, forcing people to do that. Do you Those guys are, do you guys have an office that's open or I have a hiding place we call an office. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. pe- pe- people aren't people aren't can people come in and drop checks off? They can drop checks off, yes. There's a drop box. Got it. We have we have very limited office hours, appointment only and mm-hmm. yeah. But but checks are such a minuscule part of yeah. payments. I mean, what do you get? Ten checks a, a month, maybe? No, we do get more than that. You get more? Yeah. It it fluctuates, but it's it's a few more. Um, but yeah, we do. I mean, we always try and encourage those people to get away from the paper. I, I just feel like there's not we're not doing anything crazy special, and that's what it is. And th- it that's isn't. that's what I yeah. shake my head about. How how do you how can you not make it's unique, but it's not like some highly technical. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing phenomenal about it. We're we're using the same system other companies in our t- own towns do. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's an aspect of this that we're not really talking about. And 
it's not a timely issue. And it really comes down to the individual. And I don't want to use the word leadership, but I mean, I guess for lack of better terms, we're talking about leadership, I think. And I think so many people are running around their heads cut off, trying to add the next system, the next process, the next widget, the next whatever, the next hot topic, instead of just focusing on themselves. I don't believe you can help other people until you help yourself. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if you get yourself in a place where you're good, then you can add value to other people. And then when you can make them good, what more do you need? Because the rest of it's just, you know, technicalities or it's just a this thing or that thing. I mean, you can you can roll with it. But once you get the baseline covered and, and I don't know, I, I look around other companies and we see the high turnover, the high churn of employment, the staff, how they're treated, how they don't treat them very well. And I think it's a direct reflection on that individual leader that's calling ultimately the shots. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, it all falls on my shoulders or whatever you want to say. Like I'll, I'll own anything that we screw up. It's ultimately my fault one way or the other. I don't think we screw up too much. I mean, we, ha- we have a GL for screw ups, but it's, it's minimal. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, if we make a mistake, we're going we're gonna to own it. Like we're human. We screw up, but we'll fix it. You know, we're sorry. You know, we're not perfect. And that's just the way it is, but it's very few and far between that we screw up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think creating a culture where they can screw up is important. Mm-hmm. Too. Absolutely. Psychological safety, permission, yes. to make mistakes, which means gives you permission to admit it and not hide things. Yeah. You and and to support them behind it. And you're going to get punished. Then stuff starts getting kind of slipped yep. under. That's a slippery slope, right? That's like a, de- a deceptive type of uh, culture, you know, and, and that's not the culture that we wanted at all. So talking about the upside potential for somebody that does want to get to two or 3,000 units and they're completely hellbent on it. What are the limitations that you guys experience around growth? If, you know, a handful of investors with a couple hundred units came to you, what do you do? What do you say? How do you retool? How far, how far do you think you could stretch and take this? Not that that's the goal. You got a good thing going. Don't screw it up. Right. I get that. However, how far do you think that you could stretch this metaphor of what you're doing right now? I think it have to be the, the right fit. Like that'd be awesome if we had hundred units come knocking every month, but to take on hundred units, have it be a large part of our portfolio, not be able to service it and then have them leave does does us no good it have to be the the right fit but again if if you have all the good records if you can reach out to all those tenants keep them happy it, it shouldn't be a it shouldn't really be a big deal it doesn't i guess it doesn't seem like it would be a, be a huge deal to take on 100 units you just mm-hmm. like can't jump at the fact you got to make sure that you're doing your you know your background checks on them that everything is going to work, you're going to work well. There's a lot of setup on the front end of something like that, obviously. You know, you got to get the the units and the owners plugged into your system. But once they're in, they're in. And, and Eddie and I probably every other month, we look at each other and say, you know, how far can we take this by ourselves without adding another person like him or I, boots on the ground, right? And we haven't been able to answer that question yet. It just, so, it, whatever the, the answer keeps expanding. It does. You it keeps growing. Yeah, you know, at, at 400 for a few years. Yeah. At 400 units, we're yeah. like, well, maybe it's 600. Now we're at 600 units. We're like, well, maybe it's 800. I, I don't know what the answer is. We, we also don't want the hundred unit owner. No. We, the only hundred unit owner that we have is our own <clears throat> stuff. Like I believe here's what's interesting. You run around NARPM and you know, the real estate conferences for property management. It's all about size, right? Everybody thinks it's about size. All right. How big is yours? And, and I know for a fact 
we know our numbers. We look at our numbers very closely and we're blowing out people that are doing three times the business that we are. So it's not just about size, which is interesting. I want to frame that, you know, what your revenue per unit is right now, your monthly average revenue per unit. We got a ballpark idea. The reason I say this is because we have apartments and then we also have single family homes and there's different structures, management structures on different deals that we've put together. Do you know what it is for a single family in particular? Um, on an annual basis, it's, you know, around 22 to $2,500. Not much. No, but you know, the, the whole, the property management industry is it's, you know, it seems like it's always a race for doors, right? Of course. Sure. But you can add doors all day long and that does not help your profit margin if you're not doing it right. Selectively, thoughtfully, carefully. Well, and how you build the business and how you're running those, you know, say 3000 units, you know, you can run them extremely efficiently or you can be overstaffed and, you know, over software, so to speak. And, sure. and you're not making, you know, you're making more dollars, but you're wasting a lot of dollars that you could also be making. Counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about where the growth is coming from. Are you actively, is there marketing spend? Are you guys or the BDMs taking the calls? How is the, where's the growth coming from? How's it happening? We just talked about that. I don't know if we spend a thousand bucks a year in marketing. We don't do a whole lot of marketing. We don't. Sword of mouth <laughs> referral. Uh, we've been, been in the market for 14 years. I think that, yeah. I think that's part of it, but, of, but it's these guys. A lot of info on our website. We provide as much info as possible. Disclosure videos. I, when somebody yeah. calls them to for a new property, I want that person, that new prospective owner, to already know who they are, as, as educated as possible. Yes, and so that way, when they get the phone to them, all they're doing is confirming what they already believe, what they saw, what they learned, what they read, what they watched. And I think that's a, a I think it's pretty critical to be honest with you. It, it would be for me if I was on the other side of that, because to me, I, I look at things as relationships. Mm -hmm. I do. I look at long term. Like buying, buying a piece of real estate. We're just talking about this today. Like people should never sell. They should equity strip. Absolutely. You know, but why sell that asset? Why sell the golden goose? Mm -hmm. You know, if you structure it right, because it takes a lot of work to put a deal together. That's a good deal. A great deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to do the same thing with apartment, but that's digressing a little bit, but you know, uh, we're, I guess we're unconventional. We're not trying to be anybody. We're just trying to be us. And maybe, maybe we got it wrong. I, I don't know, but it's, it's working. We know that. Their quality of life is pretty good. They don't work 40 hours a week. Yeah. So you guys do take the sales calls. Yes. And what kind of volume of those are you dealing with? How many, how many units do you guys add on a given month? Uh, the two months so far this year, uh, we've brought on about 30 units, which is high. It is high, which is high, but I would say normally eight to 10 units a month, probably give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So to some people, that's a lot. Other companies, that's a drop in the bucket. So there's there's what it is in terms of an absolute number, and there's where it is in proportion to effort. And I think if you're spending nothing on marketing, for most folks, that would be a pretty satisfying outcome. I'm curious, even though you're spending nothing, do you have a sense? Is it is it SEO? Is it purely word of mouth? Do you have a, how much sense do you have of where it's? It's uh, you know it is there is some SEO there. Uh, we get a lot of referrals. A lot of referrals and we have a lot of existing owners who are adding units expanding yes yeah that, that is talking to other investors yeah and then they'll come to us mm -hmm. but again we we have a lot of internal growth with our current owners expansion revenue mm -hmm. love expansion revenue. we're getting five thousand unique visitors a month to our website so our website really is the storefront were you at the um 
PM Gross and went with Marcus Sheridan. So we yeah. were, and that that changed. That, that, that was, was a big our pivot for favorite. us. They ask, you answer. Yep, yeah, and we it. we ran with that. Yep, and I truly believe that was what jump started our our growth last. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me is that you guys are not in your head. Oftentimes, somebody reads that and it's like the owner and they, they you know, they're obsessed with sales and marketing. You guys, what did that mean for you guys? Like, what was your kind of connection? It sucked because now I had to make videos all the time. And Justin's on me, I need you to do this video and that video. And I didn't want to do a video. Now I don't mind them, but we have tons of videos. And when a library calls, say, hey, that that's us. Like, it's not somebody else talking about management. That's myself talking. That's Aaron talking. That's Justin talking. So all our videos are out there. But, yeah, to start off with, it was no fun at all. I mean, you know, the the video thing, Marcus is a fantastic guy, you know. He he definitely got I, – I, I got fired up when I heard him talk, and I loved his book. Um, and when we first started doing the videos, yeah, it is kind of a chore to get into. And then there's kind of like this honeymoon period where you're like, yeah, this is this is kind of fun. You know, and then I it's a grind. It. And then it goes back to a grind again. And sometimes you just don't have any ideas and you're not sure what to do next. And um, But it, it does work, and we still do it. It yeah. took time to work, though. I mean, I, it did yep. a year or two before we really start seeing the yeah. residual benefits yeah, but, pay but, off. But it, it, it's exponential. It does ramp up very fast. How many, how many of these videos have you guys done? What's in the library? Oh, geez, I don't even know. Uh, Jenny... Jenny does all the work on the videos. We just have to shoot them. Jenny takes them from yeah. there. How many videos would you guess? 30? Oh, God, more than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I know. F- 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 we, let's go 50 probably, or so. Yeah. Probably have 75, give or take. Yeah. yeah. That's way off. But it was it was not only videos, but we, I mean, we put our pricing on our website. We have our management contract out there. It's transparent. Yeah. Just like Mark said, like the more information you can Removing give them. friction. Yeah. So when they call, like they're ready to go. They may have one simple question. Like, do you service my area outside of that? Like they click the button and they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. I, how, how um, produced are these videos? Is that <laughs> minimal <They're> raw? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got it. Minimal production. Yeah. It's your iPhone, your little microphone and Mm-hmm. That's it. Walking through a house or sitting in front of a whiteboard, yeah. looking at a selfie stick, sitting in your car. I yeah. mean, it they happen everywhere. But it's that versus the polished, fake, cartoonish mm-hmm. video that you yeah, see on the right. other websites. Right. You, right. you get us when you see our videos. It's 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 us. The cartoonish stuff. Yeah, it's funny you say that. It's like it's higher production values, but it's also dramatically less effective because mm-hmm. you just know it's, it's not it's not tailored to this company. It's not personalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus shared in, in his book, they ask you answer. He has a whole framework on different types of videos, et cetera, the, the big five, et cetera. For you guys of all the videos that you've made, what's the 80, 20, give me like the two or three, like most viewed top videos. Um, I know I did one on, uh, Michigan property taxes. And I think just about every owner I talk to, uh, talks about that video or we end up talking about that video. The SEO juice on that one. Fantastic. <laughs> really? Oh, it's, we laugh about it because it's. The oh, traction it pulls in. Yeah. You know, and we get a lot of out-of-state investors, like we said earlier, um, and not all of them understand how to do property taxes in Michigan. And it can be a huge pitfall if you don't understand it. So, Is Michigan particularly onerous in regards to that? Uh, I don't know if they're onerous necessarily. It's it's just that, you know, when when somebody buys a house, a lot of times, you know, you get, you get this spec sheet from the real estate agent and it's like, this is what the current owner's paying in property taxes. And somebody who doesn't know any better might think, okay, that's what my property taxes are going to be, but that's not the case. Comes uncapped. Yes. The taxes become uncapped. There's a new value at which you're assessed, and it, it can change very significantly, and it will break a deal. Okay. That's one. Any other examples? What, what, else, what other videos are? 
we did the did the one on bigger the bigger pockets questions oh, like yeah. all the when we have somebody email us on our contact form you know what's your price do you do inspections um and there's like 30 I, questions know, can i copy you your lease like they just copy and pasted oh, what, oh that's so there. funny a template it, of like yep. what yeah. to ask your property and manager I just, I just talked to aaron i was like i'm so tired of answering this email <laughs> I'm just going to make a, a video. So when they ask me these, I'm just going to copy and paste the video link and say, here, here's the video. Here are all the questions. Here are all the answers. Fire away. That's so funny. And so the concept is assignment-based selling, right? Like, hey, watch this stuff before we talk. So I'm not answering redundant questions. Mm -hmm. Are you just – is this primarily on the owner side? Are there any – is there a tenant-facing – videos as well uh, we have a few videos for tenants uh, a lot of them you know instructing them how to use the portal how to make a payment or how to uh avoid scams on craigslist how to do that how to use our you know rently we use rently for self-showing so we kind of walk them through that uh, but yeah primarily it's owners but we do have some for the tenants i i, I gotta say that tenant side though i think in this industry we don't pay a lot of attention to it at least i was guilty of that i was always focused on owner growth of course but i think once we figure out the tenant side how to streamline that and i helped with the va and the videos and mm -hmm. rently once i got these guys away from taking that workload it freed us up mm -hmm. well, so what, what tell, tell me more what's well, like the it, they're high value guys i don't want them taking a call on somebody asking questions about a property for rent that is a low value item for these two guys right i don't want them doing right it. that's something that we can we can I don't want to say outsource, but we can either delegate that or find a system to to handle that. And I think that was a huge part. So once I freed them up, then they could start to do what they wanted to do in the business. They could add value. They could implement things, make their life better. And we always, I always go to them, what can we do to free up your time? You know, I, 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 don't, I don't need them to work 40 you hours, 50 hours. You want them to be as leveraged as possible. Yeah, absolutely. They're high value. So removing the low value items first has always been something very uh, cognizant for us. We want to Get rid of low value items. Like for me, if I'm doing something repetitively, like three times, I know, you know, after three times, like it's, it's something that's just repetitive and it needs to be outsourced or delegated or systemized where I'm not doing it. It's not a good use of my time. What vendors do you guys lean on the most? Um, like from a maintenance perspective, if, or just from a software yeah, perspective, from a software or, or that that type of vendor, not yeah. maintenance. Um, obviously, Rantley for showings. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big one for us. Um, we do uh, Salesforce. For our for our owner nurturing love hate yeah it is okay, every software is love hate I know it is <laughs> uh, we use uh, Propertyware I mean that's our core software mm -hmm. so do you guys use anything like Citizen Sum Solutions or Second Nature or no we use Planet Synergy for data input yeah and okay. that, that's been a long relationship ten yeah. years maybe at, at least do you guys do accounting in house um, yeah most of it not all of it but most of it has that, has that been a conversation or consideration considering outsourcing some of that. Me and Aaron are both pretty numbers guys. Yeah. I, I actually have an accounting degree, so it's kind of comes natural to me. Um, I'm locked out of accounting. <laughs> we, we don't let Eddie touch the numbers. <laughs> it's a three-person conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about knowing your strength, right? Uh, yeah, totally. As opposed to trying to fix your weakness. Yeah, absolutely. We're not yeah. trying to fix weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, my, my wife had had too big of a list for me to fix them. So <laughs> we're playing on the strengths. Got it. Okay. So on the when you think forward on the frontier of additional leverage, what are, are there any top candidates for additional things to delegate or ways to get leverage to give you the capacity to push that, keep pushing that number up of, of how far you can get without having, having to add a, a third? I think at some point you have to have a third just because you need a body, mm -hmm. lock boxes, walk through homes, things like that. But I, I think we'd add significantly more virtual assistants first 
and get rid of the the little things that we don't need to do. Always finding that next small thing that I can write down and have a VA do. So does the in-person fall on you guys? You guys do you guys not have a runner, a stateside runner in your market? No, this that's guy. us. Yeah. Has that yeah. has that been in discussion of having yeah. a runner? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, but uh, on the other hand, we also kind of all agree like we don't want another employee. Mm-hmm. We don't want to deal with more employee stuff. So as long as we can hire a VA to take away some other things then I don't mind going through the homes and doing some inspections, things like that. I, I still want to be in touch with the, with the properties, but in order to do that, I do need to give some of those other items off to a VA. It's not because I'm not pushing him to believe me. I'd, I'd love for him not to do any of that and I'll get there. I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. Timeline. What about on the maintenance side of things? Maintenance coordination is that delegated is that you am i looking at the maintenance coordinators you are yes it's it's something we we talk about we haven't um are you guys using meld no no has that been in conversation consideration we talked about it and i i think meld sends out way too many alerts emails overly aggressive for your tests yeah yeah no we just we run it through propertyware and we're the ones that add the vendors and we're all uh, only vendor maintenance. We have no in-house maintenance. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I guess I like to have my finger on that just a little bit because those are some of the questions we get from owners. Hey, what happened here? What happened yeah. there? Most of our vendors have our cell phone numbers. They'll text us. Easy to reach out to and communicate to. This would be a candidate for a remote team member, no? To effectively do maintenance coordination? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie's background is in maintenance. And so talking about playing to our strengths, that's something he does understand. And let's face it, the maintenance discussion with owners is a very important topic to, you need to know what Usually. you're talking about. Otherwise you're going to lose credibility. And so, you know, he's in a position where that credibility, I mean, we, we have that with him there. And it's a question we have. I'm like, do you, you know, do you want to offload this? Do we, do we look for a solution? And you said you enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I like it. I like it. And again, I mean, these guys are working less than 40 hours a week. So maybe it's not ideal for every company, but it, it works for us. And I think that might be the message is find what works for you mm-hmm. in your company, who mm-hmm. you are, what you want to do, your lifestyle. Don't I think too many people are trying to be like somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking at this epitome of, oh, that's that's how that's what a successful real estate, you know, management. It's a guilt like. trip. Yeah. And you get sucked in that trap. You know, it's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses in the property management world. And it sounds like brain damage to me. <laughs> Well, let's end it there, guys. I appreciate you coming on. I completely agree. It's refreshing to be able to acknowledge that there's so many different ways to skin a cat. And it's enjoyable and satisfying to me from that initial conversation that we had to know that you guys are the real deal and you're making money and business is solid. And this is like, this is like, it's a different species in the animal kingdom. It's not common, but it's working for you guys and you guys are happy and satisfied. And I think that's at the end of the day, what everybody is trying to get to the pursuit of $3,000, 3,000 doors. Like, what is that? Like, it's a proxy for like, if I get there, then everything will be great. And I like my life. Like, you know, what if you can enjoy your life that's without having to do that? It's a headache. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for coming on guys. I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Jordan here asking you, what do you got? What is a question you want to ask me? Can you stump me? Can you throw me something hard, perplexing, vexing, something you feel tied up in knots with? Throw it at me. 
I'll do my best to try and answer that question, to dissect it, to parse out the nuance and maybe help you get a bit more clarity. I'm looking for questions as the basis for creating content and you're looking for answers as the basis for clarity and wouldn't it be perfect if those two things matched up? Drop a comment, send me, send me an email, jordan at leadsimple.com. Let's stay in the conversation. Peace.